Welcome to Not Just a Sports Report. And welcome to Not Just a Sports Report Combat. Boom bam. Thank you, ma'am. Today we are going to be getting into all things UFC 298. Took place yesterday. Uh, look, the hype leading into that main event. Featherweight Championship on the line. Alexander Volkanovsky, the champion, undefeated in the Featherweight division. Uh, obviously coming off the biggest year of his career in 2023. Uh, had the win over Yair Rodriguez. The two matchups with Islam Makashev. The second being short notice. Obviously very short notice over in Abu Dhabi. Uh, we saw Volk suffer a head kick knockout. Uh, a lot of narrative around that. The perfect challenger in Ilya Tapuria who became the champion. So unbelievable scenes. I'm going to go through everything, not just the main event, uh, from everything starting with the early prelims. I'll also go through my performance highlights from the card, my picks uh, for finishes of the night, some of the big talking points, uh, a couple of other things, including what could be next. And I'll speak about what could be next uh, at points throughout this card, maybe logical next steps for the winners. Uh, but yeah, heavy focus today on UFC 298. I will also be going through the UFC 300 card. Unbelievable. Yesterday we finally get the main event. Uh, I know there's a lot of negative people out in this world. I love the 300 card. Could it be more mind-blowing? Yes. Does it need to be? Not for what they've presented. What they've presented, I'll take it. Even if they'd gone Leon Edwards Bilal, and I think they just didn't because of the negative backlash, I would have been happy with that. I think it is a sound event from start to finish. Uh, now, from them packing out these pay-per-view cards, have the UFC left us a bit lighter when it comes to those Apex cards? Most definitely. I mean, huge gap. When Look, if 300 is a special card, but you look at... 298, 299, uh, specifically 299. Uh, it just, it's miles better than what's going on in the Apex. So it was very nice in 2024 to get another pay-per-view in the books. Uh, and yeah, we'll be going through all things UFC 298. Uh, with 299 next, I'll also briefly have a look at that card. Uh, but UFC Mexico next which in my next combat podcast, I will be covering all my picks and a preview for that Mexico card. Uh, but today, about 298, quick look at 299. And um, with the main event for 300, Jamal Hill challenging Alex Poetan Pereira for the light heavyweight championship. With the main event set, maybe only one matchup to be added to the card. I uh, will go through the 300 card. I've also this year been doing a series once a month 
State of the Division. Last year we kicked things off, or last month rather, goodness gracious, uh, we kicked things off with the State of the Heavyweight Division. John Jones injured, uh, he's just been in Australia actually. Tom Aspinall, the interim champion, uh, had a look at a few of the movements there, talked about Francis Ngannou. Today, February, second month of the year, it's time for the second division. Uh, that today will be the women's strawweight division. Big win for Amanda Lamosh over the weekend. Uh, obviously on the 300 card, you've got not just the title fight, uh, but what could very well be the number one contenders fight uh, between Marina Rodriguez and, of course, Jessica Andrade. So there's a bit to unpack here, uh, but mostly we are going to be looking at the card from this past weekend, UFC 298. This is not just a sports report combat. Now, there's nothing else to do. Let's get amongst it. We shall start with this past weekend's main event in California, UFC 298. Alexander the Great, emphasis on the great Volkanovsky, uh, an Australian icon at this point. One of the greatest, if not, you know, I'm not huge on speculation in any terms of greatest of all time, any sport, not just UFC. So I'm not huge on that speculative stuff. Uh, but my greatest featherweight is Alexander Volkanovsky. I think a huge argument could be made for Jose Aldo. Volkanovsky's beaten him. Max Holloway, definitely in that conversation. Volkanovsky's beaten him three times. Uh, and then obviously the other one would be Conor McGregor on the come up. Uh, I think fighting wise, didn't have that same resume that Volk has built up. Uh, but in terms of superstardom, and I mean that Jose Aldo finish, that is unmatched. Like that has got mixed martial arts to just a whole new level. That's a conversation for another day. Alexander Volkanovsky, coming off of 2023, uh, largely dominated by a rivalry at lightweight with the reigning 155 champion Islam Makashev. Obviously, last year in Perth, an unbelievable showing. Uh, he then drops back down to featherweight, an active defending champion as he always has been, finishes Yaya Rodriguez. Uh, then we see that short notice matchup against Islam Makashev, uh, the head kick finish. We knew Ilya Teporia would be next. This very, very special talent. Uh, I always believed he was the real deal, but he was taking on Alexander the Great Volkanovsky. So it is the most excited I've been in a long time for a matchup. Uh, Ilya I'd been watching since probably his Damon Jackson finish. I really believed he could be the next champion, but Volkanovski, given that I live here in Australia, I am an Australian as well as a Kiwi, Kiwi first and foremost, uh, but Volkanovski, like fuck, fuck. It was, it was hard to know how to react. The build up, everything, you know, Volkanovski as the old man uh, was just hilarious, really showed an extra layer to Volkanovsky's character uh, when he brought it out at the press conference. Ilya Tapuria talking all the trash in the world, saying he was absolutely going to go in there and knock Volkanovsky out. Uh, he hoisted the title. 
above his head, took it away from Volkanovsky at the press conference, even had pictures taken with a championship belt before he had won it. It was levels of confidence where he either was going to back it up or he was going to look like a total jackass. He backed it up. Unfortunately for us Aussie fans, like it, it was hard to know what to do. A second round knockout. Now Ilya Tapuria has produced some of the most otherworldly knockouts we have seen in featherweight division history. That, I think, was his biggest one. Not just the circumstances of a title fight, but the actual brutality, the full force nature of that knockout. Uh, it really came out of nowhere for me, and I was glued to the screen watching this one because going in, Volkanovsky was my guy. But I had always been of the opinion, and I think why so many people were excited is because I was not alone in believing that Ilya Tapuria, if there was a guy active in the featherweight division right now who could beat Volkanovsky, it was Tapuria. So leading into the matchup, highly excited. The way I was kind of looking at it, Ilya said he was going to go for the first round knockout. So I felt like rounds one and two were going to be the real danger rounds. I felt like rounds four and five, if the fight got there, uh, Volkanovski could really take over with his wrestling uh, and as well as his striking, bringing cardio into the mix a bit later on. The third round in the middle, uh, I thought was really up for grabs. So I felt like early was when Ilya was at his most dangerous. Uh, and then if Volk could withstand that and kind of rattle Tapuria's confidence a little bit, then I thought Volk had a window uh, to really showcase his world-class ability. But the finish in the second round, there was no warning. There was no lead-up. It kind of just happened. I didn't even react initially because it just, it happened so fast. It, it was unbelievable. I was just sitting there, and then all of a sudden, boom, Volk's out. Out cold. And yeah. You have to process your emotions at that time as a massive fan of Volkanovski. Tapuria, he said he was going to finish it in the first. He finished it in the second. But I think the way he finished it really made up for that. It was as emphatic as it gets. And to put my personal bias aside and personal feelings uh, with Volkanovski and how rough it was seeing him cop that knockout, for Tapuria... I mean, that has shot him to superstardom. To put Volk out like that, uh, now Spain seems to be on the horizon, potentially even at Real Madrid's stadium. So they could do a stadium show. Tapuria keeps his undefeated record. Uh, and now the major question is what comes next? I believe Spain, maybe a bit later in the year, second half of the year. Who does Tapuria face? Let's put all the Conor McGregor shit aside. Like, I just think when we're talking hypotheticals, there's way too many ifs and buts with Conor McGregor. Like, look at the Michael Chandler fiasco. Michael Chandler's having to go out on fucking Monday Night Raw. Now I don't know what's fucking real in this world. Michael Chandler having to go out on Monday Night Raw 
to try and get this matchup with McGregor going. Uh, so as far as Tapuria in Spain, let's just... If the McGregor thing happens, holy fuck, unbelievable. But too many ifs at this stage. So let's say a featherweight championship fight is next. Volkanovski, uh, he was very stern in his belief that he should get a rematch straight up. Uh, I think his resume speaks for itself most definitely. What is very interesting though, I don't have the history in front of me right now. I don't know if anyone has ever challenged for a world title having lost three of their last four outings. Uh, so whether they would go down that road, that's what fascinates me a lot because it's, I mean, Volkanovski deserves all the respect where he should realistically as such a dominant champion fight for the belt next. Uh, that has kind of been the standard when someone is dominant as say Kamaru Usman, Valentina Shevchenko, when they lose the belt, uh, they get an immediate rematch. But yeah, what kind of separates this is that those champions hadn't lost three of their last four. So for Volkanovski, look, obviously a lot of people concerned. They feel like he needs to just rest up, spend some time with his family. Uh, a lot of people believe his career, at least at the top of the division, is over. I'm not so sure. I'm uh, not sure whether he's going to become champion again. I fucking hope he does. But in these losses, Islam Makashev, Ilya Tapuria, I think we just need to remind ourselves, mixed martial arts has always kind of been about, you know, with these champions who are so dominant, there is always someone out there that can beat you. And in the octagon, all sorts of things can play out where you can lose the championship. I mean, look at Piotr Young and the way he lost the bantamweight championship. So the element of unpredictability is what we love about the sport. Going in, I mean, Volkanovski to Puriat, the reason we were so excited was because they were very evenly matched. So I think for Volkanovski, I don't think it's as bad as some people are making out because Ilya Tapuria is fucking next level. He proved that in the fight, and so is Islam Makashev. So it's not like Volkanovski has gone out uh, and been finished by absolute scrubs. Like These guys are the absolute cream of the crop, as is Volkanovski. So I guess that's where the questions start to come in, uh, where are some guys overtaking Volkanovski at the top? I think what is interesting with the featherweight division, Movsar Evloev, he could make a ton of sense to face Tapuria. Both guys undefeated uh, stylistically. I think it'd be a great matchup. Uh, but I think Movsar might just need that one extra win, maybe a five-round main event win, uh, to really solidify himself as the next contender. Then we look at the Mexico card. Oh, it's not in Mexico. Oh, no, it is. It is in Mexico. Mexican Independence Day. Yair, Rodriguez, Brian, Ortega. You'd have to say whoever wins that, definitely in calculations, but this is where the Volk rematch comes in. Volk beat both those guys. Ortega has not been active. He's had a ton of surgeries, a lot of different ones. Uh, his last two performances, he lost to Volkanovski uh, and then was injured against Yair Rodriguez. 
So you'd have to say, if Ortega wins this weekend, like I think it would still make more sense for Volk to get that rematch. Uh, now, Yaya Rodriguez, if he comes out, gets a dope finish over Brian Ortega, I mean, Yaya Rodriguez up against Celia Tapuria, stylistically, that is a mouth-watering matchup. But again, last year, Volkanovski finished Yaya Rodriguez. Uh, so Josh Emmett, he could be another one. Aljamain Sterling now could find himself really in the box seat. If he can come out, get a win over Kelvin Cater, you never know. Aljamain Sterling could be next for Ilya Tapuria. Uh, so a lot of interesting matchups that could be next for Ilya. Uh, Max Holloway, if it's not Volk, you know, Holloway makes a ton of sense. But Tapuria in interviews didn't sound too crash hot about Max Holloway, considering, I mean, he just finished Volkanovski, who beat Holloway three times. And again, if you want to go Max next, Volkanovski's beaten him three times. So maybe they do go the rematch in Spain. I think it would sell itself, uh, and it would still be a highly exciting matchup, given, I mean, the roles are reversed. Ilya now, the undefeated champion. Volkanovski... I mean, going into that one, you know, that could be as high stakes as it gets for Volkanovsky. Uh, so massive, massive scenes. Congrats to Ilya, who is now the champion, and who may get a say in who he faces next. Uh, but with the Spanish card not due till later in the year, I think these contenders in the uh, division should be looking uh, to get right back in there as soon as possible if healthy. So Movsa Evloev, like I said, uh, he could be next, but might just need that one extra win. Yair, Brian Ortega, uh, it'll be good for their chances if they win this weekend, but then maybe they get matched up against Josh Emmett. The wild card in all of this, Aljamain Sterling, but he will have to get past a very tough assignment in Kelvin Cater first. Uh, so the main event, Personally, uh, it made me kind of sad, but you've also got to appreciate greatness and awesome moments. And given where I live in the world, that wasn't such an awesome moment for me. But if I was a neutral fan, holy fuck. Like that was next level entertainment and a next level statement to put a great champion away in that fashion. Uh, if I was Georgian or fucking Spanish, holy shit. Holy shit, I would probably go on a bender, to be honest. So Ilya Tapuria, he realistically did what he said he was going to do. He remains undefeated. He now becomes one of the UFC's biggest stars. They will look to capitalize off that uh, later in the year in Spain. The big question for this new superstar, who's his first defense going to be against? And for Volkanovski, is he the next challenger? It would be weird to see him fight in a non-title fight at featherweight. But does 155 beckon? Does the lightweight division beckon? Uh, with all the talk of a rematch from Volkanovski's side, it would seem he's sticking around for now at 145 pounds. Uh, but before we move on, 
congrats to the new champion, Ilya El Matador Tapuria. You ruined my fucking Sunday, bro, and my Monday. Time to launch into the performance highlights from UFC 298. Essentially, it's my answer to performance awards, performance bonuses. Uh, I just don't have $50,000 to give these fighters, and uh, the fighters also largely don't know that it exists. You can always find it on our Instagram, at Not Just a Sports Report. Uh, occasionally, because I'll tag the fighters, uh, I'll get that little social media dopamine hit uh, when a fighter likes it. So, shout out to Gregory Rodriguez. He was the last to just simply like the post. You can do that too over on our Instagram, at Not Just a Sports Report. Uh, but I just post, you know, visuals. So, the podcast is where I discuss the performance highlights. So with that being said, let's get amongst it. Our performances of the night. Performance of the night knockout, Ilya Tapuria. I mean that, it's early in the year. That, that's our first nomination, I think, for knockout of the year. So $50,000 uh, as well as the championship for Ilya Tapuria. But of course, like I said, I don't have 50k to give him. So what I will give you, Ilya Tapuria, is your flowers. Congratulations, mate. Uh, another performance of the night, this one a submission, fucking epic, Anthony Fluffy Hernandez does it again. I mean he was a favourite in this matchup but he just continues to put fighters away. Uh, now the one that stands out the most for me, I'm sure a lot of MMA fans as well, was that Hadolfo Vieira fight uh, which I watched live. Just going into that Hadolfo Vieira was such a beast and he's still a beast now but Flavi Hernandez just this guy comes in and fucking spoils the party and he's done that here to Roman Kopolov I fucking just unbelievable once he had him he had him uh, and Hernandez if he can get another fight in this year like fuck that finish over Kopolov genuinely has him uh, amongst contention definitely not the number one contender uh, but now fuck like he can definitely go for it middleweight is stacked right now uh, the aforementioned gregory robocop rodriguez i don't even know if he's ranked you got Caio Baralho, uh, who i'm very high on he's worked his way into that number 15 position you've still got Adolfo vieira uh, you've got that pirate fella with one fucking eye hamzat chemaev in the division, you've got some of the older heads, Sean Strickland, Robert Whittaker, coming off a huge win over the weekend, uh, Marvin Vittorius, your Jack Hermansons, Jared Cannoneers. There's a lot of depth within this division. So the key will be activity, but Anthony Hernandez, I would like to see the matchup that was originally booked here. Because Anthony Hernandez, like I said, this guy can legitimately spoil the party. Ikram Aleskarov. Now that is a party going on right now. Every time we have seen Ikram Aleskarov, who yes, I'm sure most of us know by now, his only loss outside of the UFC, and it was to Kamzat, Kamshot, Hamzat, Twitter fingers, Chemaev. I shouldn't talk shit because he would fucking kill me, honestly. Um, but yeah, Ikram Aleskarov, Anthony Hernandez, book it. 
Because when you have a guy who you're marketing, you're trying to really build up into a big fucking deal, which Ikram Aleskarov is doing quickly through his performances, on the other side of the octagon, you want to match them up with someone that if they do spoil that party of this guy you're trying to build up, you want it to be a guy who if they win, well, you build them up. Fluffy Hernandez is the perfect guy for that. Because if he beats Ikram Aleskarov, all that hype, all that spotlight that Ikram is building up, give it to Fluffy Hernandez because he is putting on an absolute fucking show as of late. Uh, so performance of the night submission, Anthony Fluffy Hernandez. Uh, I picked against him in that fight, but fuck, it was so enjoyable. I just loved watching him do his thing. Uh, he spoiled my party. Fucking good on him. Uh, next, performance of the night knockout, Zhang Ming Yang, uh, who had an epic knockout over Brenderson Ribeiro. Uh, on the microphone, very curious uh, in the post-fight interview, mentioned he wanted to headline UFC 300. Maybe they have him as the backup for Jamal Hill if he's still injured. Can you imagine if the card ended, like people, how hectic they've been about what the main event's going to be for UFC 300? Can you imagine you go onto Instagram, UFC have dropped a graphic, Alex Pereira, UFC 300 main event. It's official against Zhang Minyang. Not to be, I think Zhang has a little bit left to do before he's main eventing a card like UFC 300, but fuck, what a way to get started. So performances of the night, Ilya Tapuria, uh, performance of the year so far, Anthony Hernandez and Zhang Minyang. The talking point from 298, uh, absolutely had to be Ilya Tapuria wins the featherweight championship. Like I've said as well, it's not just that he won it, it's how he won it. The emphatic finish. He basically said what he was going to do, went out there and did that. And if he hadn't, if he had lost, he had set himself up to be a meme, to be trolled, to just, to cop a lot. He comes out there in the main event, one of the most anticipated fights in years. I thought, honestly, this would have been a sound main event for UFC 300 if they had just held off. But Ilya Tapuria, uh, the card was built around him up against Volkanovski. It was Tapuria's night. It was Tapuria's night. And you can't say, you know, it didn't go to the judges. There's no robbery chat. It was as emphatic and as comprehensive a win as you will see with that finish, which fucking sucks, but yeah, I, I am unbiased. When I do these performance highlights uh, and things like that, yeah, you gotta give credit where credit is due, and credit is due in a major way to Ilya Tapuria. So talking point, what are we all talking about around the world? Ilya Tapuria, right now, big statement. Uh, moment of the night. Uh, I've also got a photo of, um, yeah, one of the greatest cries ever. I don't know if you've seen it. Uh, the African-American gentleman and his son's like, I still love you. And he bursts out crying. I have a little picture of that in there. Uh, and it says me right now because 
this was not my moment of the night. But like I said, we have to take our patriotic hat off. We've got to take our favorite fighter hat off. And we've got to give credit where credit is due. The moment of the night, Ilya steals the show. For sure. Now, like I said, he has burst into the superstardom realm. Uh, but to come out with all the hype, all the anticipation, this fight did not go to decision. Just unbelievable. And this is only the start. Like, what is crazy is that Ilya Tapuria, we are only just scratching the surface. But if he goes on to be one of the great all-time champions, or whether he loses the belt in the next defense, this is a moment that will live long on past his career. So Tapuria, for a young fighter, he ticked all the boxes leading up to the championship fight. But the moment of the night was just seeing him confirm that he is the real deal. Next up, number one contender. Uh, this is a category for someone who should be fighting for the championship next. Marab Ivalishvili. Has to be. I know Corey Sandhagen uh, is in the mix as well, and I love myself some Corey Sandhagen. Uh, but I'm not a matchmaker. But uh, some of the things I think about, like when I was talking about Volkanovsky, and his rematch prospects a little bit earlier. Uh, I do think of things like who's fought for the belt before, who's fought who, essentially. Uh, Corey Sandhagen did fight for the interim belt against Piotr Jan, so he has had an opportunity. Mirab has not. He held off while Eljo was the champion. They would not fight, except backstage. Unbelievable news coming out. Before Mirab's fight with Henry Cejudo, he basically did a full fight, full three-round fight against Aljamain Sterling in the backstage area. So, look, we've seen him dive headfirst into ice. I've seen him swim the length of a Las Vegas swimming pool underwater. No coming up to take a breath. Marab, he is the machine. He really is. Uh, he's got Sarah Longo, an unbelievable gym behind him, really sound training partners, and he came out against Henry Cejudo, and I mean, they didn't even interview Cejudo. He took his gloves off after the fight, but Marab, such was the domination in that fight. He is up against an Olympic gold medal wrestler, and he's fucking talking to Mark Zuckerberg whilst he is just dominating Cejudo. Now, I had my money on Marab, but the first round, the first round, Cejudo, uh, really got the better of Mirab, but rounds two and three were just something else. Mirab manhandled Cejudo. Honestly, the word I think about toward the end, a bit demoralizing. Like Cejudo, despite being so cringy and shit and firing his coach on countdown and all that stuff, I do feel at times, you know, we don't kind of show him the love for what he's been able to do. But fuck, it was demoralizing. Like, Marab was just, he's fucking kneeing him in the thighs. And you could see it in Henry's face. Like, the gloves were basically off at that point because he couldn't do anything about it. Marab Dabalashvili off that performance. It's time. Number one contender. Next pay-per-view. Sugar Sean, Cheeto Vera, Marab ringside. And what I love as well, uh, I've always been a fan of Marab Dabalashvili. I obviously, like, knockouts are fucking awesome. 
But if I was live in attendance, I'm not one of those fans who would be booing every time it goes to grappling. The grappling side is still very interesting to me. I even appreciate Bilal Muhammad a lot. Everyone has their different styles. That's what I think makes the sport beautiful. Uh, but now, Mirab is fucking... He is getting really popular. The fans were cheering him over Cejudo. Usually anyone who's not American, fucking boo. It's as simple as that when you're fighting in the United States. They were cheering for Mirab, the Georgian fighter who moved to America and has made an unbelievable life for himself. It's fucking time. Bruce Buffer, as he says, it's time. Give Mirab the title fight next. One to watch. Uh, this is a fighter to just keep an eye on going forward. Obin Elliott has a remarkable story, uh, has already captured a lot of fans around the world, has also captured a fan in the American gangster, Chael Sonnen. Well, the Welsh gangster Oban Elliott came out decision victory over Val Woodburn, uh, who formerly fought Bo Nickel last time out. Oban Elliott, he gets the win. Uh, I would recommend going and listening to some of his interviews. Uh, I couldn't do his story justice, but it's a good one. So, Oban Elliott. He is one to watch. Next up, uh, this is a segment, next up question mark, because I don't know exactly what's next up, but it's a bit of an educated guess. Uh, we got three potential fights slash uh, what's next for a fighter. Ilya Tapuria. Uh, I've just got the Spanish flag. I don't know who he'll fight, as I was saying earlier. I think it'll be in Spain, though. Mirab Devalishvili, as I just said, he should be fighting the winner of Sean O'Malley and Cheeto Vera. Uh, and the final next up, Ian Gary with the call-out of Colby Covington. Uh, Colby is not the kind of guy that usually accepts these matchups, but honestly, I think it could be a good one. Put it on a pay-per-view main card, you let Colby talk his shit, uh, which obviously given the nature of his opponent potentially in Ian Machado Gary, uh, plenty of ammunition. Ian Carey coming off the big win, uh, another win over someone like Colby is exactly what he needs. I don't think it'll be Colby, but honestly, if Colby would just fucking fight someone uh, that's not starting to decline, it would be good. It would be a great watch. Uh, and then finally, major news. Dun, dun, dun. The UFC 300 main event is official. George St. Pierre against Habib. Namagomedov up against Brock Lesnar in a triple threat match is probably what fans uh, were expecting by the look of comment sections uh, and the general consensus. We've got Poetan against Jamal Hill. I love it. I'm just fucking happy with 300 as a full card from early prelims all the way through. I love it. Like I said, it's not this crazy wild main event. They haven't brought Connor in. Uh, or anything like that. But as the headliner, Jamal Hill brings the fucking heat. This is a guy who can get that brutal knockout like Tapuria at any moment in the fight. Who else can do that? The champion, Alex Poetan Pereira. They were already going to do this matchup anyway. Why not at 300? Uh, I think Leon Edwards, you know, they could have gone that route. But it, I... Am of the belief 
that it just it has to be Bilal next. It should fucking, if there's any justice in the world, be Bilal next. Now, I think what steered the UFC away from that would be the fan backlash. I still would love that fight, but I understand it because, like, it's probably going to go to decision. Do you think Alex Pereira, Jamal Hill, is going to go to a decision? I'm excited for this fight. Uh, I didn't have unrealistic expectations, and I have come to love Alex Poetan Pereira. He is one of my favorite fighters in the UFC. Uh, I've been a fan of Jamal Hill too, and I have come to respect not just the power in the hands, uh, but the technique and overall MMA skill set. Could Jamal Hill even bring in uh, some wrestling and ground game into this one? Uh, So that is the major news. I'll touch on 300 a little bit later in the podcast, but there it is. UFC 300 main event, Alex Poetan Pereira. I believe that he is great for that spot. He's really starting to, you know, grow a personality. Not grow a personality, that sounds fucked. Uh, he's always had a personality, but obviously people see him as this stone-faced killer. Now, you know, the interactions with Glover Teixeira, his presence on social media, uh, even after his last win, getting on the mic and saying to Israel Adesanya, come to daddy. Like, you know, Pereira is starting to bring that little bit extra personality-wise, but I think what we love most about Pereira is just the fucking Shadow Realm knockouts. But Jamal Hill, I mean, he's not an easy guy to knock out, and he brings the thunder with the fucking fist as well. I think this one... It's going to be a fight where they just stay standing. How can you not love that? That's our UFC 300 main event. Those were the performance highlights. Now, well, let's have a look at the UFC 298 results. Two ninety-eight in the UFC numbered cards, a pay-per-view. Uh, we're going to start from the early prelims and work our way up the card. Now, essentially, this segment is thoughts and comments. So I'll give some thoughts and comments across the card. Uh, In some of the bigger fights, like the main event, I've already given quite a few thoughts and comments. Uh, And it's also going to be accountability. So I released my picks before the pay-per-view. And yeah, it's just a good way of, if I put out shit picks, I have to come and tell you. Eight and four, I think I was head-to-head on this card. So not great. Not great. Um, I don't even know. We'll see, but I'll t- I'll say it as we go. First fight of the night, women's flyweight. Uh, it was at 10:30 a.m. Australian time. I stayed up until 7 a.m. Australian time. Fucking dull. So I'll be real. Uh, I was still sleeping at this point. This was when I was like, okay, it's time to wake up. But I knew around 7 a.m. I put my bet on Miranda Maverick by decision. That was my pick. That's how it went down. So good to get off to a winning start, but I knew I was like, okay, after Miranda, it's time to get my sorry ass up and get after it. Uh, So that was the first fight. Miranda Maverick beats Andrea Lee. Uh, Andrea Lee, I think she'll get cut. And I don't say that disrespectfully. I just, as the UFC do, I think they will cut her. Not physically, fucking crikey. Uh, Miranda Maverick, well, that's a win that keeps her relevant. And she hasn't quite been been able to take that next step 
into becoming a contender within the division, but it's early in the year. A win is a win, uh, and so now she can really build off that. Congrats to Miranda Maverick. After that, my one to watch. Uh, in the welterweight division, we had Oban Elliott getting it done over Val Woodburn. A few takedowns throughout this contest, uh, but goodness gracious, pretty big discrepancy in the strikes, which is where Oban Elliott uh, really took over to get the win on the judges' scorecards. After that, Danny Barlow. Fuck, I enjoy myself some Danny Barlow. Tell you what, 8-0 now. Gets a third round finish over Josh Quinlan. Uh, moving up to the later preliminary card, Zan Minyang with a performance of the night knockout over Brendan Ribeiro. In the bantamweight division, the heavy favourite Rinya Nakamura extends his undefeated record to 9-0. A decision victory over Carlos Vera. Um, after that, Marcos Rogerio de Lima just fucking cooked the legs of Junior Tafa, who came in on short notice. Marcos Rogerio de Lima off that Derek Lewis loss. Uh, this was a big swings and roundabouts moment for him. He gets the win and keeps himself relevant in the heavyweight rankings mix. It's a great win for Marcos Rogerio de Lima. Uh, and Amanda Lemos in a really entertaining fight, actually. Uh, nearly finished Mackenzie Dern at a couple of points there. It went to the scorecards. I'm glad it did. $5 odds for Amanda Lemos to win by decision, which was my pick. A bit fucking, yeah, there was some value there. So just quickly, accountability, my picks, Miranda Maverick by decision, ding, ding, ding. Uh, I picked Oban Elliott by decision, ding, ding, ding. I picked Danny Barlow by decision, ding for Dali Barlow, Dali Barlow, fucking new fighter created. Uh, but not a ding for the method. I went decision. He won by knockout, so fuck yeah. Uh, Zhang Minyang, I picked Brenson Ribeiro uh, by knockout. I just, my pick was mainly someone's going to get knocked out. And I just fucking, I took a fucking shot in the dark. And I was wrong. Zhang Minyang, good on him. Rinya Nakamura uh, to win by decision. That was my pick. Ding, ding, ding. Uh, I watched some tape of Carlos Vera. Thought, you know, nothing outrageously special, but... Uh, I did think he'd have some answers for what Rinya was going to throw at him. Uh, then after that, I picked Junior Tafa by knockout. Dom dom. That was a big dom dom. And I was like, damn. I, pretty early on with the leg kicks, it was like, oh, fuck. I think he's in trouble here. And he was. Uh, and then, yeah, it's tremendous value on Amanda Lamosh to beat Mackenzie Dern by decision. So head-to-head -head early prelims, I was 3-0. and Prelims, I was two and two. Main card, uh, Anthony Fluffy Hernandez talked about that one earlier. Originally supposed to face Ikram Aleskarov, instead faces Roman Kopolov. Four straight wins, all by way of knockout. Uh, a highly entertaining stylistic matchup. Anthony Hernandez does it again. The takedowns were prevalent, didn't even need to really use his striking game. And once he had it in, he had it in. You could tell by his fucking face. So Anthony Fluffy Hernandez in the middleweight division. Very exciting time in his career. Uh, my pick for that, Roman Kopolov by knockout. So I was wrong, but watching that, uh, I, had, I was like not super confident on Kopolov. So when it came to putting my money on it, I went a lot lighter 
on this matchup. So there was no kind of like, oh, fuck, damn. It was just purely like, fuck yeah, from what I was seeing from Fluffy Hernandez. Uh, so he gets it done. Mirab Dvalishvili, decision over Henry Cejudo. Uh, just, yeah, like I said, towards the end, it started to get demoralizing. Give Mirab the title shot next. For Henry, we didn't even get to hear from him. Uh, he took his gloves off. I thought at the very least, like, come on. You can give Henry Cejudo like 60 seconds, two minutes. I don't know. I guess that's how it operates. Henry Cejudo retired before. I feel like the UFC, more so Dana White, it just is just kind of shitty at him for doing it when he was champion. So yeah, it doesn't get to say goodbye, but it was all about Marab. Give him the fucking title shot now. It seems like that's what's going to happen. Um, I pick for that, Marab, by decision. After that, Ian Gary against Jeff Neal. If you missed the card, you don't really need to go back and watch this fight. Uh, I thought it was very close when it did go to the scorecards. My vibe was basically, I thought Gary had done enough to win, but I wasn't going to be shocked if Jeff Neal got his hand raised. Uh, but Ian Machado Gary, now 14-0. Quite the record. Uh, adding Jeff Neal to his resume, hands off steel. That's a pretty bloody good one. Uh, now, fans chanting cuck. They're obviously booing him. Uh, I didn't really like Ian Gary at any point, but I don't fucking hate him as well. So, like, yeah, I think honestly, I don't know, maybe he is getting cucked. Who knows? If he is, just let him, like, some shit, it's for private. And cucking seems like the ultimate thing to just do in private. But... On the surface, I believe, whilst not really liking Ian Gary, uh, I reckon, like, I don't know, it's weird because of the How to Be a Wag book, but he just seems like he loves his family. He loves his wife. I think they got children and he loves them too. And, yeah, I don't know. I think I'm kind of over the hate, but there was some good shit. Like, How to Be a Wag is some interesting shit that does make you question things, but yeah, I'm not an Ian Gary hater, so fucking congrats to him. It definitely wasn't the most polished victory, but Jeff Neal, dangerous at all times. And now for Ian Gary, well, big test, whether it's Colby Covington or someone else within that top 10, to get to that 15-0, and 0, he's going to be handed a quite the mighty assignment. We'll have to see who that is but yeah the guy has copped a lot copped a lot we'll have to see we'll see how that develops maybe he releases a book i would read it at this point uh anyway middleweight co-main event this was a great fight stoked uh, on a personal note to see robert whittaker back in the winner's column uh decision victory over paulo costa uh, my pick as well, I forgot to say, I picked Ian Machado Gary by decision. Fucking woohoo, good on me. Uh, and I picked Robert Whittaker by decision. Now, going back and watching tape, doing what I do in my preparation, what I essentially feel about Robert Whittaker is the only guys that are beating him, uh, this version of Robert Whittaker, are like champions. Champions. Israel Adesanya. Of course, Drikus Duplessis, who, even before he was champion, I had a very high opinion that he could make it to that level. 
Paolo Costa, sick fighter. Love watching him fight. Unfortunately, most of his action is on social media these days. Uh, but yeah, my pick for Robert Whittaker was essentially, whilst I thought Costa could definitely knock him out and have a huge moment, he didn't really do that against Luke Rockhold. Uh, so to go up against Whittaker, what it came down to with my final pick was, is Paolo Costa going to have a championship year? Like, is this the win that propels him to become a champion this year? And my answer was no, not that that really means anything. Uh, but going in, still a lot of anticipation for this fight, given that Paolo, just a beast of a fucking man. So the knockout threat, definitely on his side. Like, we weren't really going into that fight thinking, oh, fuck, Whitaker is going to submit him, or Whitaker is just going to put hands on him and knock him out. Uh, the most logical path to victory, which is why I went that way, was Whitaker winning by decision. But the big danger element going in was the knockout power from Costa. Now, throughout the fight, he did go some head kicks uh, and things of that nature, uh, and it was a bit of a chess battle watching it all play out. Uh, but Rob Whitaker, I thought he would go for more takedowns. He ended up standing with Costa. Uh, had more of, of the significant strikes, but the way the fight played out, uh, like I think the strike numbers and things can be misleading. This was another one that once it went to decision, having my money on Whitaker, uh, my central vibe was I think Whitaker has done enough to win, but I will not be shocked if Costa gets his hand raised. I thought throughout the night uh, I was pretty happy with the judges' decision making which definitely isn't always the case. Even happier to see Robert Whittaker keep himself in that championship mix. He won't be next, given that Drikus now the champion. Drikus is just coming off a dominant finish win over Rob. But as far as who you matchmake him with next, highly interesting. Hamzat Chemaev is one I honestly think would make sense, but I, I, I would personally pick another matchup for Rob because Hamzat, whilst Rob could beat him, it's just Hamzat, he's a fucking threat, isn't he? Uh, but like I said, if Whitaker, if that's the standing where the only guys who are going to beat him are guys that could conceivably go on to become champion, then that should be his opponent. And Hamzat still needs a win at middleweight over someone like a Robert Whitaker. Uh, but as far as who they put him up against next, not sure. Not sure? Okay. Uh, but, yeah, I'd love it for it to be in Australia. Since that Paulo Costa matchup was supposed to take place in Perth last year. Uh, a lot of fucking around, but Rob Whitaker he gets that W. And then the main event. Uh, I've touched on it enough, I think. But congrats to Ilya Tapuria. 15-0. Finish of the year so far and it will take something quite special to beat it i certainly don't think we're going to see something in the apex uh take the throne of knockout of the air from something like this but yeah so far that is the fucking stoppage of the year it just it came out of nowhere it was so quick i didn't even have time to fucking react and volk was down for a while which sucks suck to see and i yeah hopefully on the health front all is well Obviously, super concerning 
for folk to get knocked out in that fashion. But Ilya was the one that did it. He came out, did exactly what he said he was going to do. Card built around this matchup. Ilya steals the show. My pick for that, Volkanovski by decision. Uh, so I was wrong with that. And yeah, I was kind of thinking, like I said, throughout the matchup, in terms of having a little bit of money on it, I didn't put too much again because I had always felt that Ilya was going to become champion. I just, I felt differently once it came to it and Volk was that champion. I was like, ah, fuck, I don't want to see it happen. But it happened. It fucking happened. With 298 in the books now, my chair is fucked. Whatever. Whatever. Fucking hell. Listen to this fucking chair. Anyway. Um, goodness gracious. UFC 298 is in the books. So we got 299 coming up and then 300. I'm going to have a look at both cards. Uh, 299 will be quick, obviously. When the time comes, I'll do a full podcast. Preview and predictions anyway in this chair. Let me just fucking, let's try and scoot down, shall we? Say, oh my goodness, listen to this shit. Never have I had a chair struggle so much in my life. But 299, then 300. Uh, it's been a week or two since I've done a podcast. Why? There's been a bit too much apex going on for me to be fucked doing a predictions podcast and preview of the whole thing and then review it and talk about it. Now, I'll do that for Apex cards this year, but over the last week or so, I was just like, eh, eh. But yeah, crowds, fucking awesome. Pay-per-views, fucking awesome. This chair, not fucking awesome. UFC 299, we'll go through that card. And then for 300, as I said, haven't recorded a podcast for a couple of weeks. So there's some new matchups that I will talk a little bit extra about. Uh, there's a few that have already been announced that I have talked about previously, and I will talk about in future podcasts anyway. UFC 299 card. Uh, let's start from the early prelims. You've got Marina Moroz up against Joanne Wood, two vets of the flyweight division. Speaking of flyweights, you've got CJ Vergara uh, looking for a really big win up against Asu Almabayev, Josh Parisian. Who would want to miss Josh Parisian up against Robelis Despain uh, or something. I haven't, I haven't done the tape for him yet. He's 4-0. and 4-0. Interesting. Uh, maybe, is he like a kickboxer? We'll find out. I'll find out. It's not time to research that card yet. Uh, moving up the prelims, this is where shit starts to, starts to bang. Pedro Munoz up against Kyla Phillips. Really big opportunity for Kyla Phillips up against a vet in Pedro Munoz. Lightweight action, Mateusz Gamrot. Not far off a title shot if he can keep momentum rolling. He will be facing Rafael Dos Anjos. Uh, after an unsuccessful move back up to welterweight, he's now back at 155 pounds. Catling Chuchagan, Chuchagan, sorry, up against Macy the Future Barber. Uh, this is the fight for Macy. This is the one where she needs to win to yeah, become a championship contender. No easy feat though. Featured prelim, uh, I'm fucking pumped for this one. Curtis Blades, Jailton Almeida. Onto the main card. This is where shit gets juicy. It's one of the best pay-per-view cards fucking in ages. In ages. 
bantamweight opener Pyoidi Yan, former champion, Song Dong, future champion. Uh, that'll be an exciting matchup. Welterweight, this one I am fucking steaming for. Gilbert Burns, Jack Della Maddalena. Shut up and take my money. Crack streams. Uh, welterweight, Kevin Holland up against the debuting Michael Venom Page. 12-0. I also had that bare knuckle boxing performance where he did suffer defeat against Mike Platinum Perry. Kevin Holland, Michael Venom Page. UFC debut. Fucking hell. This is a card of serious consequence. Co-main event, Dustin the Diamond Poirier looks to re-establish himself as a championship contender up against a fresh face in a division, quite honestly, uh, that has been yearning for some fresh faces. We have the Frenchman, Wee oui, Wee, oui, Benoit, Saint Denis, God of War, and I think this fight is going to be a war. Uh, is it five rounds? It might even be fucking five rounds. We'll have to see. I know what is going to be five rounds. The main event. The rematch. Sean O'Malley, 17-1. No defeats. Oh no, he has one defeat, like I just said. Fuck. I smoked a joint. I'm sorry. I wasn't going to say that, but... Yeah. Some mix-ups going on here. Sean O'Malley has one defeat, and it was to Cheeto fucking Vera. Wasn't it? So Cheeto... Logically, if anyone else was the champion, he's probably not getting the title fight. But I love this matchup. He has beaten Sean O'Malley. They're revisiting it. And you just know, not only is the fight going to be exciting, but the lead up is going to be exciting. And the whole card is fucking packed. So by the time it gets to the main event, I mean, goodness gracious, the crowd's going to be going off their fucking titties. And yeah, because I haven't gone and done my tape and done my research, right now, looking at that one on paper... Fuck, who has any idea? Like, there's no clear... It's not like, yeah, Sean O'Malley definitely wins that. Or, yep, Cheeto Vera definitely wins that. Cheeto has beaten him before. Will he do it again with the belt on the line? Fucking earth. So that's UFC 299. Uh, looking at what cards we have after that. Apex, boo, but headlined by Taito Avasa. So fucking earth. Uh, another one at the Apex, boo... Amanda Hibas up against Rose Namajunas in the women's flyweight division. Co-main event as of right now. Carl Williams, Junior Tafa. Will Junior Tafa be fit and firing? Uh, fuck the other fight nights, respectfully. Let's skip to UFC 300. Uh, this is the card on Google right now. It says Justin Gaethje, Max Holloway cancelled. Is that fucking true? But then no, no. Then they're on the card. Weird. I'm glad that's not fucking cancelled. Uh, we'll start from the bottom. Bobby Green, Jim Miller. Uh, I have talked about that one previously on the podcast. Jim fucking Miller. Fought at UFC 100. Fought at UFC 200. Gets to do the damn thing at UFC 300. Against Bobby Green. A matchup that has been booked and scrapped and booked and scrapped. It's a nice one. It's a perfect matchup for both guys. And they deserve to be on the card. Jessica Andrade, Marina Rodriguez. Uh, now to finish this podcast, I'm going to do the state of the strawweight division. I think this could be a number one contender fight. I really do. You've got the strawweight fight uh, later in the card. I think after Yan Shanan, my next logical challenger would be Tatiana Suarez, who had to pull out 
of the 298 bout against Amanda Lamosh, Mackenzie Dern ended up stepping in. Uh, so I really like Tatiana Suarez as a potential future champion, but I think now uh, they might revisit Amanda Lamosh and Suarez. You've got the championship fight a bit higher up on this card. Marina Rodriguez, Jessica Andrade, winner fights for the belt? Question mark. I'll unpack that a bit more when I do the women's strawweight state of the division. Woohoo. Uh, featherweight, this is one that has been added. Uh, these next couple have been added in the time since I last podcasted or podcast. Sodik Yusuf coming off a main event loss against Edson Barboza up against Diego Lopez. Coming off a fucking trailblazing 2023, the Team Lobos product I have become a massive fan of. Massive would be an understatement. Diego Lopez, fucking earth. He's been providing the punch, coming off a huge finish over Pat Sabatini on what was the Not Just a Sports Report card of the year. I mean, just highlight finishes all over the show. Diego Lopez, this makes sense. Sadiq Youssef, he had the main event opportunity. He loses to Barboza. Fight someone behind you. Diego Lopez is on some sort of upward trajectory. Perfect test for him. You beat Sadiq Youssef. Now all of a sudden, you could be in a fight night main event. Uh, or in a really featured spot on a pay-per-view main card. Massive year ahead for both these guys. Uh... I think very even matchup stylistically as well, but Diego Lopez stands out for me. And I mean, Sadiq Yusuf, toughest test of his career. I am fucking down for that. Featherweight division too. Topical at the moment, so I mean, Sadiq Yusuf really needs to reestablish momentum, but for Diego Lopez, he keeps winning and fucking hell. Who knows? He could be one of the future title challenges at 145 pounds. Another one that's been added, this one, like, some fans shit on it. I actually fucking love it. Women's bantamweight, Holly Holm, former champion. In fact, it was right here in Melbourne where she head kick knockout. She would head kick knockout. I'm high, like I said. Sorry. Sorry for that. Uh, head kick knock the fuck out of Ronda Rousey in Melbourne. I was at a festival, I remember, just like a smallish music event and... I just looked at my phone and I was like, holy shit. Holy shit. Holy shit. Uh, that was a while ago, though. That was a while ago. She's taking on Kayla Harrison. Now, if you don't know who Kayla Harrison is, she is an Olympic gold medal. 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 New thing created. Uh, fucking wrestler. She's got judo. She's got fucking unbelievable skills. Now, where Kayla Harrison has been thriving in MMA with a 16-1 record, the only loss being to Larissa Pacheco. That has been in the women's lightweight division. She has previously stated, I believe it was on the MMA hour, that she would have to cut a leg off to make 135 pounds. That's the division where this fight takes place. Uh, so that's one of the major talking points about this addition to the card. Uh, will Kayla Harrison make weight? If she can successfully navigate it, I, I think there's a real chance where she comes out and looks like a fucking monster that comes out way bigger than Holly Holm. But it's such a big cut. It's such a big cut. And if you take too much out of yourself with such a drastic weight cut, 
Holly Holm, despite being at the back end of her career, she definitely has the striking prowess to knock Kayla Harrison out. So this, there's a few ways this could go, uh, but I actually love it. I know a lot of people were like, eh, you know, Brock Lesnar was the fucking big reveal for 200. I'm excited. Fuck it. Kayla Harrison, she talks a big old game. American top team product. Fucking oath. The women's bantamweight division needs something right now. Could it be Kayla Harrison? It's definitely not my fucking chair. Sticking with bantamweights, this is actually going to open the show. Davison Figueredo, Cody Garbrandt. Winner of that? Not far off a title shot at bantamweight, honestly. If Marab's next, you've still got Corey Sandhagen in the mix, a couple of other guys. This is a big matchup, though. Really big matchup uh, as far as the makeup of the top 15, top 10 even. Davison Figueredo coming off that win over Rob Font, a successful transition upper weight class, whilst Cody Garbrandt, well, he has rediscovered his form, coming off an awesome knockout over Brian Kelleher. That's a great way to open the card. I know there's a lot of fucking famous people and shit, so usually the front row for the very first fight is like empty. But I would love a full house. I would love just, you get the full house from matchup number one and we just fucking roll all the way through. But we shall see. Uh, We've got Bo Nickel, who I am fucking huge, huge on. He's only 5-0, but I think he could become a future champion of this division. Apparently I think everyone can become a fucking future champion. He will be taking on Cody Brundage, who respectfully, on the topic, I don't think is going to become the middleweight champion. Uh, but, fuck, he came up with a huge win over Zachary Reese. Now he faces Bo Nickel. If he beats Bo Nickel, holy shit, like, you got to give something big to Cody Brundage. So, huge opportunity on a massive card, Bo Nickel. He's only 5-0, and so I don't mind that they're not rushing him, despite, like, his wrestling is just fucking next level, and he's shown with the hands in that Val Woodburn fight, uh, and also there was one... Uh, earlier in his career outside of the UFC. I think it was his first fight, which was his only outside of the UFC, and he just fucking stone cold knocked the guy out. Respectfully, again, this is kind of disrespectful, but the guy he knocked out looked like a, a plumber or something. Uh, but Val Woodburn's a f- fucking UFC fighter, and he knocked him out in a big way. So Bo Nickel really starting to grow into a superstar. Cody Brundage, that's the next step. You gotta get past Brundage, and if Brundage wins, well, fucking hell. That's a career right there. Now, all of a sudden, you're cooking with gas. Featherweight division, Kelvin Cater returns from injury. Ah, Look, this is a guy that cannot be slept on in the featherweight division. Hasn't been able to really, you know, take that next step to fight for the championship. But there is still time with Kelvin Cater. The power in his hands. Can Eljo deal with that? He's coming off a knockout and the bantamweight division against Sean O'Malley. You'd have to say Kelvin Cater probably packs more of a punch than the new bantamweight champion. But Eljermain Sterling, huge, huge opportunity here for him. He wins. Look, I think there are certain guys the UFC love. There are certain guys the UFC are like, eh, you know, and then there are guys UFC like. Aljamain Sterling, like, I don't feel like they love him to the point where if he wins this, 
he immediately gets a featherweight title shot. But if he does win this, and we're looking at a potential challenger for Ilya in Spain, you could do a lot worse than Aljamain Sterling. Calvin Cater beats him. You've got a former champion uh, on your resume now, and you can continue to press on in 2024. So that's a good matchup. Yuri Prohaska, Alexander Rakic, I've touched on that a couple of times. Uh, and the rest I've mentioned, including the main event now, Charles Oliveira, Armin Sarukian. Holy bloody hell. Holy bloody hell, yes. Yes, yes, is my answer to that matchup. BMF title fight. Is there any more prestigious championship than the bad motherfucker? Two bad motherfuckers, Justin Gaethje, the highlight for a reason, and Max Holloway, back up at lightweight. This is a weird one. Holloway, right in the mix for a shot at the featherweight championship. Justin Gaethje, even more so, in the mix for a shot at the lightweight championship. You've got Saruki and Oliveira on this card. Winner of this BMF fight not only gets the belt, but I mean, if Justin wins, who, who gets the shot out of him and the winner of Oliveira Sarukian? Potentially whoever has the most impressive performance. And for Max Holloway, if he turns back Justin Gaethje, gets the BMF title. I mean, do you book champion versus champion? Ilya Tapuria, Max Holloway, or even, maybe just even, I don't think Volk would want to revisit it, but Volk versus Holloway for the BMF title. A lot of fucking ifs, but let's just watch them fight first. Our co-main event, Chinese showcase, Weili Zhang, Zhang Weili. Uh, she's one of my faves. I fucking love Zhang Weili. Uh, she'll be taking on Yan Xiaonan, who is as game as any fighter in the division. I know some people shit on the matchup. I fucking rate it. I think it'll be epic. And our main event. We finally have it. We finally have it. There you go. We can stop losing our minds. Alex Pereira, Jamal Hill. So 298 in the books. 299 is going to be major. 300, well, it's going to be fucking huge. Let us finish strong with the state of the division women's strawweight. Uh, now, essentially, state of the division is something that I'm going to work in uh, to these combat podcasts once a month, just to keep it nice, keep it fresh. Uh, now, the first installment ever, last month, I went through the state of the heavyweight division. Next month, I'll be going through the state of the light heavyweight division, of course. We have Alex Pereira, Jamal Hill set for UFC 300, uh, so that will still be to come. But we'll see what the other movements are uh, around the division. But today, we finish off with the state of the women's strawweight division. And now, I'm just going to look at the rankings as well as the champion. But there are three matchups that stand out to me as far as the overall championship picture this year. Let me just move the shitty chair in a little bit. Uh, now, first off, obviously, UFC 300 co-main event, Zhang Wei Li up against Yan Xiaonan. That is the most important matchup. We determine a champion. Second matchup was supposed to take place over the weekend. It's not official that they will go this route. I think they will, though. Uh, Tatiana Suarez, Amanda Lemos. I think that fight, uh, winner of that, challenges for the belt. 
The other ones, uh, Marina Rodriguez and Jessica Andrade, I think if they do go back to Lemos and Suarez, I honestly think winner of that 300 prelims fight could be challenging for the belt next. Uh, and the other one is fifth-ranked Vena Jandiroba at the end of the month, or end of next month, rather, taking on 10th-ranked Lupi Godinez. She could be a lot higher than 10th-ranked by the end of the year. Uh, so state of the division, you have the champion, Zhang Wei Li. Oh, I've accidentally started my PlayStation. Fucking, let me just unplug that. There we go. My bad. Uh, Zhang Wei Li, look, her kryptonite, Rose Namajunas, up at flyweight now. Uh, Zhang Wei Li, probably my favorite fighter in this division alongside Tatiana Suarez. Uh, she's been an unbelievable champion, an all-rounder. Her striking is elite. Her grappling has become world-class along with her wrestling and submission game. She can go five rounds. She can put on one of the most incredible fights we've ever seen, that first bout with Joanna Yeljacek. I mean, she's a fighting champion and she is the cream of the crop, no doubt. Uh, and what's up next? Well, UFC 300, the co-main event, first-ranked Yan Xiaonan. Finally, uh, she gets her chance. An all-Chinese matchup too, so huge for the region of China. Uh, then second-ranked Tatiana Suarez had to pull out of the bout over the past weekend. You've got third-ranked Amanda Lemos coming off that win over Mackenzie Dern, uh, but she did before that fight for the championship and lose. So I honestly think they'll go back uh, to Suarez versus Lemos. Then fourth ranked, you have Jessica Andrade. She'll be taking on at UFC 300, sixth ranked Marina Rodriguez. And as I've said, I think winner of that could skip the line a little bit and get a title fight next up. We'll have to see though. Uh, fifth ranked, you have Werner Jandaroba. She will have to defend that position against Lupi Godinez. Uh, but Godinez... She's on a tear at the moment, so if Verna is the one to end that run, well, Vanda Jandaroba is definitely a fresh challenger and a fresh matchup. Uh, in the seventh position, you have Amanda Hebus. She will be fighting at flyweight against Rose Namajunas in an apex main event. So right now, uh, not super relevant to the title conversation. Mackenzie Dern drops back to eighth position. Uh, she'll probably have to fight someone behind her next. Luana Pinheiro, she's in the ninth position. Tenth, Lupi Cadenas. She could be the pick of the lot uh, to really have a massive year coming off the back of what was a massive year last year. She's ranked tenth. She will have the opportunity to break into the top five in her next matchup. She's been highly active. Uh, so from there, she could really look to push for top three and end the year, maybe at some point next year. All goes well. Lupi Cadenas could be fighting for the belt. Uh, a woman she beat, someone I rate very highly, the 11th ranked Tabitha Ricci. Uh, in 12th, Angela Hill. Will she ever fight towards that title shot? Not sure, but a great test for everyone. Karolina Kovakiewicz, uh, ranked 13th. 14th, Michelle Waterson Gomez. So a few veterans uh, up toward that back end. And Gillian Robertson, coming off a big win, uh, 15th ranked. So Gillian Robertson, another one uh, who could make a bit of a run this year. She's more highly active than a few of the others. Even Gillian Robertson, Mackenzie Dern could be a fun matchup. But yeah, that was a pretty short state of the division. I think there's a few clear cut things and we'll have to wait and see what happens in the championship bout.
That's been it for today, though. We've got amongst plenty of topics, uh, most of all UFC 298. Now, as far as what's on for the rest of the week, I will be releasing in a couple of days a preview and predictions for the Mexican Independence Day card, headlined by a couple of five-rounders, revisiting as well some matchups we've seen prior. You've got Yair Rodriguez, Brian Ortega in the co-main event. Featherweight division, getting real interesting. Uh, And in the flyweight division, Brandon Royvel steps into the main event, coming off that loss to Pantoja, taking on Brandon Moreno. So I'll be releasing all my picks, uh, as well as doing a preview of that card. Sunday Australian time is when it takes place. I'll be working. I usually don't work for the pay-per-views, but I'll be working on this occasion, so I won't be doing a review podcast like this, but I will be doing the preview, and I will still release performance highlights uh, over on the Instagram, at Not Just a Sports Report. But that is it. Thank you very much for listening, especially if you've gone the whole way through. Congratulations to you, uh, and I'll be back in a couple of days to give you the rundown for Mexican Independence Day. Well... The UFC card, I'm not going to give you a full history of Mexican Independence Day, but maybe for myself. Maybe for myself. Gracias for listening. Thank you. Ciao.